the last episode of Society's Waltz, we looked at how the Romantic era affected the storytelling of ballets and the change that came with it. However, as mentioned in that episode as well, it wasn't just the storytelling that had changed. The dance itself evolved as well. So on this episode, we'll be taking a look at the effects of the Romantic era had on how ballet was danced as a whole. I'm your host, Grace Leishman, and welcome to The Waltz. The ballet we know today is a style of dance as complex as the technique surrounding it, with many subtypes that dancers learn based on where they were taught. Some, like character dance and classical ballet, are very obviously different. However, the difference between Balanchine and R.A.D. are much less pronounced, with the dancer's hands being one of the only main indicators in what style they had been trained in. Now, although this may be true now, in the 18th century, ballet was still very new to being standardized, leaving it to be barely different from what had been put forward by King Louis himself. But as discussed before, everything evolves. So when ballet started to become more performative than anything else, the way we danced it had to change as well. One of the main factors in the change of how ballet was danced during this time was the fact that females had started to become the main dancers in these ballets instead of the male-centric dances that had preceded it. One large contributor to this was the instillment of Marie Salle as the first female choreographer in ballet, whose changes to the dance allowed for dancers like Marie Taglioni and Fanny Eliser to take center stage and show the technical prowess they possessed. The change by Marie that made this all possible was her change to what was worn by dancers in ballet themselves. Nowadays, the general attire for a ballerina is a leotard, tights, and stereotypically a tutu. But in the 17th and 18th century, the costumes that were worn were still very similar to court attire like large hoop skirts and dress robes. However, mousseline dresses, the dresses worn in Bridgerton that had long and flowing fabrics, were very much in style during this time. And in 1734, Marie Salle ditched the elaborate hoop skirt and fancy hair for these flowing dresses and loose hair for her role as Venus in Pygamolian, since the outfit helped bring the character to life in both the ethereal look of the outfit as well as the way Marie was able to move in the dress. Now, although this was a big step for the ballet community at the time, I think it's fair to say that this style of costume wouldn't have properly been taken on by the companies if it wasn't for the Romantic era, which, as we discussed, had a large fascination with the supernatural and ethereal, leaving these styles of long flowing dresses to be the perfect costume for these ballets. But with most things during the Romantic era, it wasn't until Marie Taglioni wore the famous La Sylphide costume that consisted of a puffy tulle skirt that went down to her calves, a stays-like top, 
and little wings on her back that ballet had changed. This is, of course, the beginning of the romantic tutu, which allowed ballerinas the ability to look as if they were floating down from jumps on account of the lightweight tool of the skirt that would softly fall down even as the dancer had landed. But the costume itself wasn't the only thing that had changed during this time. How dancers move changed quite drastically as well, and it was all thanks to the one ballet that had started this all. La Sylphide. Honestly, when you look at it, La Sylphide was responsible for many of the changes that happened during this era. From the costume, to how ballets were danced, to even the storytelling itself. All because of this beautiful ballet. But getting back onto topic of how the dance itself had changed from this ballet, as I've said many times on both this episode and the last, the Romantic era had a huge fascination with the supernatural. From ghosts to fairies, La Sylphide was a testament to the public's view on these topics, with the lead herself being a magical woodland creature, which is what you would want your dance to communicate to the audience during said ballet. The only problem was that during this time, ballet was supposed to be more sharp and the feeling of the dance was more grounded. That would not do for a ballet that story was about a fairy who enchants a man with her beauties, so Marie adapted it. She began to round her arms and gave a slight tilt to her upper body, using her breath to give them a soft and supernatural look as she danced across the stage. Her movements were precise yet delicate, a far cry from what ballet had looked like just a few years ago. It wasn't long until other choreographers took this style and used it in their own productions, Giselle being a good example of this in its second act with the corpse de ballet dancing the will. There was one other innovation from this period that came from La Sylphide, which I think out of everything was the most significant, and that was the invention of the point shoe. I know, shocker! It's fairly easy to believe that such an instrumental piece of so many ballets was created at the start of the dance, but the truth is, proper point shoes came a lot later. Before the Romantic era, the standard shoe for ballets were either the flat canvas shoes that many younger dancers wear, or character shoes that had a short heel. Now, although it would be possible to still have the ethereal feeling needed in La Sylphide with these soft shoes, Marie Taglioni wanted to shock the audience and make it look like she was floating. She wanted to dance on her toes. Now, it's important to note that this was the first point shoe to be created ever. So instead of the hard fabric and shank that we know as point shoes today, they were nothing more than canvas shoes with a great deal of darning on the bottom for support. These shoes were used sparingly throughout the show as an embellishment to a variation where she would step onto her toes for a second then come down again. 
But even though this was a very basic version of point, with the actual apparatus being crudely made, it still caught on pretty quickly, with other ballets innovating their own point shoes, slowly allowing for dancers to stay up on point for longer and longer times. And with that brought a sense of wonder and beauty to ballets that had been missing since the beginning of the dance. As with the version of storytelling that had started during the Romantic era and ended up setting the standard for ballet since, the evolution of both the costumes and the way of dancing that came from this era has stayed with dancers to this day. And although you can make a point to say that really it was Marie and Filippo Taglioni's last Sylphide that was truly responsible for these innovations in the style. If it wasn't for the way that these changes enhanced the popular style at the time, it would have been much less likely that ballet would still be the style of dance that it, we know today. In truth, it would be unfair and short-sighted to attribute all the changes of the world to one catalyst event, so why should we do the same with dance? However, no matter what you say, the conclusion is the same. The Romantic era allowed for ballet to come into its own and become the beautiful style that we know it as today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Society's Waltz. Make sure to subscribe so you'll always know when a new episode is out.